What is going on, everyone? Fresh off of Thanksgiving break, welcome back to Drop the Mitts Hockey Podcast, brought to you in partnership with Primetime Production. I am here with my two co-hosts, Zach Williams, Tommy Bennett. How you guys doing, boys? It's been a, been a long week. What are you boys up to? I am uh, enjoying the Rangers game on TV and fresh off a nice, lovely, delicious turkey. And uh, Christmas is around the corner, but I am excited that I'll be going back to Arizona. You going? What for? You? What are you going back there for? So we went in August just to go, but we liked it a lot, so we're just going back. Uh, we'll celebrate like five year anniversary of you know being married. So Congrats, that'll dude. always be fun, but I'll actually get to go to Mullet Arena. Oh man! So I'm actually, so I'm actually kind of excited. There so, you go. I've heard it's yeah, sick, dude. I so last time I was there, I drove by it just to drive by. Just to, I'm like, you know what? I'm here. I might as well just go see. Like, it's a very it's it's a cool setup, but it's like also right on college campus. Yeah. But it's pretty cool. Like, the parking actually works. They have like a really massive parking deck in between the football field and where Mullet is. So I got to see it, but I'll actually get to go inside. So that'll actually be kind of cool. That'll be a blast, dude. Yeah, like I said, I've heard awesome things. But Zach, how you doing, buddy? Uh, you know, getting through school and <laughs> trying to be done with this crap. You just sound so fucking defeated, dude. <laughs> hey, call, oh, hey, yeah. college is got, fun. Enjoy it while you can. <laughs> I got finals coming up. It's just beating the crap out of me. Yeah, I had a lot of beer. That's what I did. Yeah. Every yeah, that'll finals, get every finals week. I had I had a beer studying for hours, hours <laughs> on end. That'll get you through. But boys, we we got two weeks worth of stuff to get into. Um, we'll we'll go with the most recent news, kind of not too shocking, but Patrick Kane um, signs with the Detroit Red Wings. Um, he's not in the lineup tonight, but he should be um, next game. Um, what what were your guys' thoughts on this? I mean, I you got to think the his relationship with Alex DeBrinket, he's going to another original six team. I just think this is an unreal fit, and it really is going to benefit both Patrick Kane and the Red Wings. What are your guys' thoughts on it? Go ahead, Zach. Um, yeah, so I, I agree. I think it's a great signing for the Red Wings, especially you know at the price they got him at, $2.75 million for one of, one of, if not the greatest American-born hockey player of all time. Um, you know, if he can pick up, you know, where he left off a couple of years ago and kind of brush this hip surgery off and get his play back to where he used to be, it's going to be the Red Wings are going to be a really dangerous team, especially with him on the wing uh, uh, outside of Dabrinka and uh, Larkin. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think I said like the episode where we were just kind of talking because like the rumors floated around, like he met with Toronto. We kind of had the whole episode of like, you know, does that even make sense? And I think I said like he was going to go to Detroit. Like that was just my hunch. It makes sense. They, they had the cap space. They added like five million to work with. Like Zach said, it's it's a two point seven five million. I mean, that's it's nothing. But you know, good for them for having the space. I think you're starting to see the Iser plan kind of come to life. You know, a lot of questions were asked about the signings they made, like just over the last few seasons, like they're not really like top six guys, but they're just like middle six players, but they're all playing really well. Comfort looks really good. Cop is healthy. So that's a plus. And then Gostas Bear has been lights out on the back end, but trading for Debrink, it's been, you know, 
just a new sign of life. And it's amazing that Larkin lose, like he lost Bertuzzi and got two legit wingers in one season. I mean, even if Patrick Kane isn't his normal self, I mean, he's really one season removed from 92 points. So it's not like he's washed, but hip surgery at his age, you never know. Yeah. But if he looks a little, just if he even looks remotely like his old self, like last season, just throw that out. Like, yeah, he had 50 something points, but he looked like he was skating through concrete the whole time. Um, and it was obvious that he was laboring and he wasn't shy about it. But if he can at least just come back and just kind of get in a groove, it, it's a really big win-win for Detroit. Like it, that top six is actually pretty steady looking. Yeah. And he doesn't have to come in and be the guy. He can just come in and be a guy. Yeah. You know, I know sure. he's got the name tag, but yeah, he... good, for, good for Detroit. I mean, and they're right there in the Atlantic. They're not a basement dweller. They're, they're right they're right near the tippy top, and they're playing pretty good hockey. Yeah, man, that Black Friday game um, where they played the Bruins, I mean, they fucking spanked them, dude. Like, they they were waxing the Bruins all over the ice. And I know we're not going to talk just Bruins, but, man, just watching – I forgot how good Alex Debrinkit is, dude. Like, the one the one goal that he scored where Patra um, – had that bad he turnover. Po- he pocketed Patra and just skated in. You were he there. made that shit look so easy, dude. And just he, he just so dominant, dude. Like he's an unbelievable player for for his size. And two guys that have had significant bounce back seasons, um, you know, after sophomore slumps are Lucas Raymond and, and Mo Sider. I mean, those two yeah. guys, man. They talk about too. bounce back years. Like the goal, the goaltending. I'm I'm not I'm, I'm not, not sold. sold. I'm not sold on it, and maybe you know, come deadline time, we're talking about them bringing in a number one goalie. I I don't know, but I really think this team could make can make a run. I mean, the way that they're designed, the way that you know Derek Lalonde has them playing, like this is a team that could be you know very dangerous down the stretch. Hundred percent agree. I mean, they're they're playing really well, and I think like out of all the teams that you kind of had pegged that we're going to take the next steps in Ottawa, Buffalo. Detroit's really the most consistent, you know, and, and, you know, defensively they're, they're a little shaky. They're not bad, but you know, they definitely have their breakdowns. Goaltendings it's there, but it's not consistent. Like who so have a good game then, you know, kind of have a stinker, but, and it happens. They're human, but the goal scoring is, is at a high rate. Like at the point of the Bruins game, they were leading the league in five on five goals and their power plays clicking. And they're the only team that's burned the Bruins with the power play. So it's just good for them. Everything's clicking. And, and it's nice that, you know, the, the Iser plan's taking a little bit longer than it did in Tampa Bay. But yeah. it, it's starting to come together. And it's like, okay, like, this is this is a good hockey team. And, and you know what? Good for Detroit. They're fun to watch. Yeah, for sure. You know, you mentioned Shane Goss' bear, man. He's, you know, he's the one that's kind of quarterback in that power play. He's a point. Per, uh, he's almost a point per game player right now. Yeah, dude. He, it's unreal. And, and it, like, and it's a, it was like a one year, $4 million signing, but man, has it paid off? Yeah, dude. He like, he's been very good. And just, he just looks, he, he just looks like he hasn't lost a step. Like, yeah, he's gotten a little bit older, you know, since his Philly days when he was really dominant, but man, it, it looks like he's back to his old self. And yeah, yeah, dude, you mentioned he's a point per game player. Like he had, like speaking of him, like he was actually really strong in Arizona. Like a lot of people probably don't know that because it's Arizona and yeah. 
you know, the West Coast time, like if you're East Coast, like like the three of us, it's like, you know, are you staying up late to watch them? But he was he was producing there, too. I mean, he, he didn't have nearly as much production in Carolina, but he was still effective. But, dude, watching him whip around the puck on the power play is some sexy puck movement out there, boys. Yeah, man, they they, they looked good, man. And, and obviously, like, it was the Black Friday game. I, I am always skeptical of matinee games, especially going to Bruins yep. games, and I'm like, "Fuck, man!" Like <laughs> two you, in you, a row. <laughs> yeah, dude, and you could you could just tell, man. I'm like, they're gonna fucking wax us, and uh, yeah, sure, sure, shit, dude. They did. Yeah, they did. But yeah, they dude, they're gonna be a dangerous team. You mentioned that those we had those three teams. I think last time we talked, and I said at the beginning of the year. Buffalo, Ottawa, Detroit, and I think Detroit for me was actually the last of those three teams who I thought was going to make a legitimate run just because I didn't really know how Mo Sider, Lucas Raymond, how these guys were going to you know, respond after their sophomore slumps. They're the team that I think is going to be the most dangerous, especially now with, with Kane, yeah. you know, and as from all the reports that I'm reading, you know, the medical staff was really impressed um yeah you know with his recovery and and how he's you know been yeah. skating and everything so you got to imagine that they're going to be putting him with Debrinket. i mean they've they were oh, lethal 100%. they were lethal 100%. in chicago dude and well that's like the rangers they tried to like force it with like panarin and it just it it's kind of sucked for the rangers because they didn't get the healthy patrick kane that Detroit potentially is going to get like we really don't know how kane is going to look but man if he if he does like you were saying him and Debrinket with that chemistry, like Dylan Larkin could have a career year when all is said and done. Yeah, absolutely, dude. I could I could see Debrinket going for fifty again. Hundred percent. It's possible. He's leading the team in goals right now. He's playing yeah, really I, strong hockey. I mean, he just looks better than he did last year. He looks he he had a good year, but it wasn't like a Debrinket type year. Like I don't know if he wanted to go to Ottawa or not, but he just looked deflated. And now yeah. now playing in his home state, it's like he's. Yeah, he's, back he's to, happy. He's happy. Yeah. He's playing hockey and he's happy. Yeah, dude. So yeah, we had that move, um, which kind of shook the hockey world, I guess. Um, another another event that kind of shook the hockey world and, and still is right now is um, what's going on in Chicago. Yet again, they're making the news, um, you know, with this Corey Perry incident, um, cleared waivers, contract is terminated. Um, we're not really getting any real information on what's been going on there, or what happened. Um, you know, that rumor about Connor Bedard and fucking, I feel so bad for this kid, man. Like he just can't get out of the, uh, out of the spotlight, I guess. And it's just, you know, for someone to make up some bullshit like that, like just, just crazy, man. Like, I don't know. What are, what are your guys thoughts on, you know, this whole how this whole fiasco is played out. Like, it's just, you're not, we got no information. I mean, they don't have to share anything. It's just, again, just sketchy shit from Chicago yet again. It's, they don't get the benefit of the doubt, obviously, because of everything that happened with the Kyle Beach situation, and rightfully so, deservedly so. And a second person came forward and, you know, suing the team. You know, so it's like now you have two people with this guy and it's like the only thing like it's like I want to give the benefit of the doubt to Davidson because it's it's unfortunate for him because he wasn't part of that management crew. He wasn't there for that situation, I don't believe. And he'll 
because it's the Blackhawks and because that is so recent, he'll ha- always have that dark cloud over him. And that's the unfortunate part. And you could tell in that press conference, like this bothered him. Yeah. You know, there were tears. You could, you could hear it in his voice that whatever, whatever happened is bothering him. The, the, the nice thing, I guess, that you can say about this, nothing's nice about it, but the fact that he, it was brought to his attention. He pulled Perry from the lineup the guy doesn't have a job and they're investigating. So it's not like he's covering it up and burying it. He's at least trying, you know, he's trying to do the right thing and go by the right processes for it. I feel bad for Connor Bedard. That poor kid, man, hasn't had a second to breathe. He's had the media down his neck ever since he's entered the league. And I get it. He's a generational talent, first overall pick. He, just let the kid play hockey, man. And then he's got to deal with this rumor you know, it doesn't just affect him. It affects his mom, his family. You know, these are, you know, these are people too. Like, yeah, we get to watch them for our entertainment and to, to sit here and talk about it. But like this kid just hasn't had a second to, to just breathe and play hockey. Like just let him go out there and play and just, he's got to now deal with this. And it's an, and it's not even a, a positive media spotlight. It's, it's something negative that he's got to deal with now as he's just trying to find his way into the NHL as an 18 year old kid. Yeah. Zach, Zach, what, what are your thoughts on, on this whole fucking. Yeah. yeah so I think that, you know, the way that Kyle Davidson handled this is super professional. Um, he was, you know, straightforward about it. He sat in a press conference and, you know, gave his thoughts and obviously what is going on with all these rumors with Connor Bedard and his family are just disgusting. And, you know, it's like, you know, people on Twitter, you know, one person says something and next thing you know, um, people are believing that Corey Perry actually did that. Um, and like you said, Chris, we don't know what Corey Perry actually did. Um, you know, I'm hearing it was just, it was a, it was a personnel, some, it's like something with someone else on the Blackhawk staff. Um, but then again, uh, you know, what can I, what can I even trust anymore when I see something? Because, you know, with this whole Bedard thing. And like Tommy said, the kid hasn't had a second to catch his breath. He's getting hounded by the media. He's getting hounded by trolls on Twitter. He, all he wants to do is go out there and win and focus on doing what he loves. And he can't even do that because people are making up these bullshit rumors that aren't even close to true. It's like, just let the, like, let the kid have a second. He's what, 25 games into the NHL, like let him enjoy his rookie season. Like you're like ruining like what is supposed to be like a special, a special season, a special moment for this kid. And he is just, I, I can't imagine what him and his family are going through. Yeah. I, you know, when I, I listened to uh, Johnny Lazarus's uh, their, you know, the blue crew pod, uh, their most recent episode with Matthew Barnaby and, you know, Barnaby kind of said it best. He's like, yeah, these kids are programmed. I mean, he's a fucking superstar. He's he's a yeah. born superstar. He's been in the media since 12, 13, 14 years old, whatever it was. And, yeah, they're robots. But, yeah, my thing is, like, put all that shit aside. Like, yeah, they're trained with the media. You can't be trained for something like this. You know what no, I mean? No, this is like, totally different. This like, is totally, just, completely like, personal. You just, you just, like, yeah, I mean. You just, and I don't think they were discussing it in context with this specific situation. I think they were just saying media as a whole taught yeah. you know dealing with but something like this man you can't fucking deal with that and like again who else are you are they going to go after they're not going to say 
another player. I mean, what what other player are they going to fucking start a rumor about? But it's just, yeah, it's just too bad, man. Like, as soon as that shit came out, I was like, there's no fucking way. There's there's terrible, no way. Terrible. Like, and, and again, yeah, let's let's not forget, man. Like, I've I seen people on Twitter and stuff, and it's like, let's not forget this kid is 18 years old. Yeah. Eight, he's literally just a, just a legal adult at this point, playing in the NHL, dealing with all this stuff, being in a new seat. Like, yeah, it's terrible, man. And, like, again, I, I applaud Davidson, too. Like, he addressed – I think he did everything by the books. Like, by – he did everything the way that you should, you know? Like, he – yeah, people are mad that they're not releasing information, but let's—they don't have to. That—that's—that's—that's based—that basically just stems from from the past incident because of how bad that was, and rightfully so. Like, right? And you know, you want answers. Like, yeah, they shot down the rumor. But it's like, okay, well then, like, what did he do? <laughs> you yeah, know? And like everyone just wants to know because it's Chicago's really bad history, and yeah. it's just. You know, Bedard, too. It's like, okay, like, he gets drafted. You know, you get to live your dream playing in the NHL, but you go to Chicago, of all fucking places. Yeah. Like, of all teams you could have got drafted to, with this dark cloud, like, you go there. It, it, it just – and it's like that cloud is just not – it's like it, it didn't go away, but it was enough for the kid to maybe enjoy hockey, and now it's just – back <laughs> do, you, do you think there was ever a doubt that bedard wasn't going to go to a city like chicago with all that the minute, and all that the minute, oh, i thought he was going to end up in anaheim the minute really? that jonathan taves you kind of knew his career not i'm assuming it's done he hasn't officially retired but clearly his health is priority and godspeed brother i i hope he does because he had a really tough go like battling covid and just not being able to play like himself the minute they traded Patrick Kane, my buddy texted me. He's a big Ducks fan. He texted me and said, Bettman's going to fuck us and give them the pick. So I knew it. I knew that automatically. And Chicklet said it good, too. Like, R.A. Like said it, too. It's, like, amazing. Like, they did what they did, and, and they got rewarded a generational talent. Yeah, well... Don't forget, dude. I mean, look at all these teams that have gotten stripped of fucking first round picks. The Devils got stripped of a pick because of the Kovalchuk contract. Well, they got and, it and, back eventually. But my point is, it's like you're really gonna go ahead and take that away. But be, but like you like, I mean, what did they do to Chicago? They didn't give them anything. Nothing. They, like they didn't get punished for it. You got no. They got a generational talent, <laughs> dude, that was and the fucking prize. And the minute that Patrick Kane got traded. And they lost that dynamic duo. I just, I was like, they're going to get Bedard. It's just, it, it just, the shoe fits. I'm yeah. not going to sit here and say that it was rigged, but Jesus fucking Christ. It, it's like, dude, like, like it just was so obvious. Yeah. It worked it out so too. Per- it worked out too perfectly for them. And I'm drawing a blank. I know there was a team that was stripped of a, I believe a first round pick or second round for the combine incident. Like oh, uh, yeah. tampering at the combine. Yeah, I can't remember what team it was, but like, come on, dude. Like that. Ottawa just got stripped of their one of uh, their picks. Yeah, too. dude, for the dad and off thing, you're gonna yeah. strip, and it's like, dude, like, come the fuck on. Hey, man. they're being nice about it though. They got to choose which first round pick they. It doesn't. Lost. Ma- yeah, but still, like, could you imagine? <laughs> like, I mean, at least giving Chicago like something. 
dude. Yeah, it, it just it just to me the writing was just on the wall that like once they lost Patrick Kane like at the deadline and they traded him, I was like, it's so obvious. Batman's not gonna let this original six franchise go without a face. Well, you know what's really? gonna be the what's gonna be the icing on the cake is is after this year they get fucking Macklin Celebrini. Like, can you imagine? If, if, how- if, if, <laughs> like, and I tweet and I tweeted this out. I actually tweeted this out. I was like, Chica- or San Jose is going to have a historically bad year, and Chicago's still going to get that fucking pick. Yeah, they're, they're going to be it rewarded. It with, would uh, not shock me in the slightest yeah. if, if that happens. Like, it just wouldn't. But it's – I'm not saying that the, the draft was rigged, but it just – the writing was so on the wall, like, anybody yeah. could see it. Well, you know, and I'm not saying it was rigged either, but it it makes you fucking question, right? Like it it well, really makes was, you like that was like the uh, the 2020 draft, like yeah. the Rangers were like fighting in the bubble, and then they get Lafreniere, and I think was it Ottawa or LA that was the worst team in the league? I want to say it was Ottawa. It was either Ottawa because I, I, I like even like I just remember like it was between uh, L.A. and the Rangers like to get the pick. It was like the final ball, and I just remember the Rangers got it and like Rob Blake's face. I was like, he just sitting there's like they just like basically were in the bubble and they get this kid. Like granted, Byfield is turning into a very good hockey player right now, and Stutzel's the best player in the draft. But yeah. the point is, it's like, and that was right after they lost Longquist. Yeah. They needed something. It just makes you wonder. Like, I'm not saying these are rigged, but it really makes you wonder how yeah. this shit goes. Like, yeah, it if makes, San it... Jose has this historically bad year and doesn't get the first overall pick, stop with this lottery. Just stop it. Just don't do it anymore. It's it's like I'm not saying like you know teams. Like I get it. I get it. I, like it eliminates the whole tanking purpose. Yeah, but like San Jose sucks so bad across the board they need the pick <laughs> like they like they need that draft pick it's yeah just, why didn't the, why didn't the Bruins get anything for losing Bergeron and Krejci everyone else got something Where, where's our love yeah <laughs> speaking of uh you know just talking about the drafts in 2020 like Quinn Byfield man we have dude. to touch on him dude yeah. he is he's like shattering career totals like he's on pace for 69 points right now nice. and that guy has been and on an absolute tear with LA. Like, yeah, he, he's got, I love he's, his game, dude. He's almost a point per game player. Look, they drafted him as a center. He's playing wing right now with Anze Kopitar and Adrian Kempe. His impacts on the ice are huge. Like, he's just emerged as an exceptional player. Like, he's fourth in Corsi, sixth in Fenwick, sixth in expected goals. Scoring chances, he's fourth. On the of all forwards when he's on the ice and in the high danger area, LA is outscoring their opponents ten to four, and he's on pace for sixty nine points. That blows his career highs out of the water. Yeah, good well, for good for them. And I think you're starting to see a lot of this twenty twenty class starting to blossom because they all came in at a really shitty time in the world. The pandemic may have hindered their development a little bit. Good for Byfield, man. Like, yeah, you know, people forget that these kids. You know, you mentioned Lafreniere, Stutzla, you know, Byfield. Byfield's 21 years old, dude. He's a 2002. And in 19 games, he's got four goals, 12 assists, 16 points, and is a plus 11. 
Like, again, he's 21 years old, and people were yeah. already writing him off as a bust. Same with well, Lafreniere. It's like everybody, because everybody wants guys to be like McDavid and, and Matthews, and that's just not the case. Like, look at Jack Hughes. They labeled him as a bust, and now yeah. look at him. He's he's probably going to have more points than he did last year. Yeah. It, it, you know, you just – you can't – you know, you can't have these expectations for these kids. Like, yeah, you want them to, and obviously their draft stock, you know, allows that. But at the same time, like – you know, they'll develop at their own rate. No. Yeah. Well, you mentioned he's playing with fucking future Hall of Famer, dude. Like, and, and Kopitar probably is going to gun for another Selkie this year. I mean, let's be honest here. He can now. Bergeron's out of the league. So he, he's got a good... Uh, Mr. Selkie, Mr. Selkie retired. Yeah. So, you know, and LA's sitting at... Dude, God they damn. Are so, they are so good. 13-3-3. 29 points in dude, the Pacific. Third in the Pacific. Wait, that's unreal, dude. Wait, they're third in the Pacific. They're third in the Pacific behind oh, right, Vegas Vancouver, and Vancouver. Oh my, Vancouver's dude, a wagon that's, too. That's absurd. Yeah, <laughs> that's dude. Fucking, dude, LA is like, dude, structure wise, like that team is so damn good defensively, and they're getting the goaltending. They legitimately, like, they'll I make a run. I wouldn't write them off. Like, I, like goaltending for me was the big question mark, but Talbot's playing really good. If Talbot can keep team. it, if Talbot can keep it up, this team's gonna be scary yeah. come playoff time. I agree. I thought that team needed a goalie. I think Talbot was like the good move, considering they didn't really have any money. But man, he looks so good compared to last year. Like it's good for them. But I'm happy for Quentin Byfield. I really just wanted to talk about him because, you know, a lot of these younger guys, like they're they're really coming through. But man, that like he deserves some love, dude. He really does. Like he's emerged as a really special player. Yeah, and, and continuing to talk about, you know, these guys in L.A., man. Drew Doughty looks like fucking vintage Drew Doughty, too. Yeah. You mentioned Kopitar. You know, Trevor Moore's playing well. PLD's Trevor Moore, playing well. Trevor Moore might be, like, one of the more underrated players in the league. 100%. Right like, Kaliev looks good, too. Like, yeah. they're just clicking, dude. Like, McClellan just... He knows whatever it. he's doing over there, man. Like, good for him. Yeah, you know, and... and kind of want to touch on a team too that is kind of heading in the opposite direction um and that's the minnesota wild um where (laughs) (laughs) this past week man they fired dean evison who and and we'll touch we'll touch on it but and replaced him with john hines i don't i I hate that move yeah that's so bad so, I mean, it's better. It's better than like Gerard Gallant, but like, yeah. Oh my god! But but this is this is one of those things too that I feel like this was a little premature. Like I, I don't know. I feel like there's other coaches that should be on the hot seat, right? And and probably should have gotten canned before. You know, we mentioned Jay Woodcroft last uh, last episode, and now Dean Evison. But listen, DJ Smith still has a job. Some. Somehow, I, I don't know how, I don't know why, but he still has a job, and I don't know for how much longer. But I think something this has could... something has to give in Ottawa somewhere, cause right? Like, and it, like, how much worse can it get? Like, and that that's a pretty solid team on paper, right? But that, and, but that's what I'm saying, try. and that's what I'm saying, man. You you know, and we'll, we won't get too off tangent, but to me. This seems like a little bit premature, man. Like they're having some serious goaltending issues right now, and and it's very similar. To, 
It's not even just the goaltending. I mean, you look at some of their yeah. like their skaters yeah. that are like people are so quick to blame the coach. Matt Bull, one goal. Johansson, yeah. one goal. Kaprizov yeah. leads the team in points with 18, but only has six goals. Kaprizov's supposed to be their goal scorer. Like, yeah. like these guys, like Matt Boldy had a great year last year, and he's not doing he's not doing that's, squat. Like, that's the problem, too. And you got like guys like Zuccarello only has five goals. Dude, you go through their entire stat list, like just as a team. They've only scored 59 goals in all situations. That's 25th. They've allowed 76 goals against. That sits at 26th. Their power play is disgusting. Their penalty kills the worst in the league. Their shooting percentage is 23rd in the league at 9.5. And their goaltending safe percentage is 29th in the league with 876. They're underperforming but there's nothing you can do because they have no money because of the Suter and Parise buyouts. Right. So it's wild. And, to they, me and, how... they, and at the point they fired Everson, they lost like seven in a row and you got Pat Maroon. who's pissed off. And he's like, what the, like, what are we doing? It's but just crazy. How, way. how quickly Philip Gustafson declined. And yeah. like he, he how he, like, year. he was like, he was like, Right behind Olmark in save percentage and goals allowed average last year. And now he – it's like two different goaltenders. And, I mean, Marc-Andre – and you got Marc-Andre Fleury, but, you know, he's on the tail end of his career. He can't exactly blame the guy. And the wild defense has been piss poor. So, I mean, yeah. there's not much that these guys can do. But, yes, there's got to be some change in Minnesota because they look – it's it's rough out there. Like you have to, you have to write the ship at some point. Like it, it like yeah. if if the players aren't gonna get it done and they need like something to pick them up, then okay, like fire the coach. Like obviously the message is stale and maybe they hit their peak with Everson. You know nobody wants to talk about it, but they're like the Toronto Maple Leafs of the Western Conference. They haven't been able to get out of the first round. Nobody wants to talk about it, but that's just a fact. I feel like they're a team too that has way overachieved with their roster structure. They don't have like a bad roster. Like now it kind of looks a little bleak because, you know, they have no money because of the buyouts, but they'll eventually get money. But they still have decent defensemen. Like Faber's not bad as a rookie. Spurgeon's good. Brodine is still good. Yeah, they just moved Kalen Addison. You know, we mentioned last episode they, they got Bogosian. Bogosian's not a bad player, but yeah. like Zach said, like all their top players are underperforming. Yeah, it's. I like, mean, I you think mentioned Erickson, Erickson Eck leads the team in goals with eleven. Yeah, That's talk not, about another like, sulky guy too. Yeah, but you like you need more out of Kaprizov. You need more out of Zuccarello. You need more out of Boldy. Yeah. You, oh, yeah. Boldy. Jesus Christ, he's got two goals. He scored one last night. Yeah. It's just like at the, like the roster is what the roster is because of the money, but they have to be better. I, I as as a guy who's watched the Devils, like best of luck, brother. Best of luck with John Hines. I mean, it might be good this year. It doesn't really last that long, so I don't know if he'll be the next coach. I would maybe go look and bring somebody with a fresher mind in, but it had to come at some point. You know, I hope they can turn it around. Yeah, I, I got, think if they kept it going, it, it would have happened eventually. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think he's necessarily the guy. I don't think – I mean, I think he's going to finish out the year. Um, Probably. I, I don't see them having – especially how that Western Conference is laid out right now and, and 
you you know, we just mentioned Vancouver, you know, LA, you know, obviously not the same division, yeah. but I mean, the Minnesota is going to have a really hard time being yeah. close to making the playoffs at this point. So maybe they grab, you know, a, a good pick and, and who knows? I, I, for me, I don't see John Hines being the answer there. Um, no, I don't either. I'd be shocked um, if he was, you know, the coach next year. But, um, you know, you just mentioned, um, you know, his time with the devil. It's like, I, I guess it's from what I said before, I, I can understand if the message got stale with, you know, with Everson. But I just can't understand the the what you're bringing in after that. Like, you can't sit there and tell me that he's a better option than Dean Everson at this point. You just can't. Like. Yeah, I, I don't know. I it is what it is. We'll see how the you know how this. But you, how this but you know you know how the NHL is. They got the same recycled coaches in. Oh yeah, over and over. I mean, I I was calling for for Dallas. Like I like that they uh you know named Pete DeBoer the coach. Like I think Pete DeBoer is a good coach. I wanted them to get Mark Savard. Yeah, he's co- he's 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 worked with some of their like top end prospects, and I think that would have been good for a team like Dallas, but. They're still doing well under Pete DeBoer, and it's fine. But that's a guy maybe I'd like to see like Minnesota go after somebody different, somebody with a new mind. Yeah, young, you know, like, like a younger. You got these young, you got these younger, younger blood coaches that are actually doing well. Yeah. Guys that aren't recycled, they're they're new. They bring new perspectives, and you know we'll just. But yeah, you know, don't don't go call Elaine Vigneault, who hasn't been in the league in like four years, to come fucking coach. Mike Babcock. I <laughs> I don't think that'll happen, man. No. Not at not after the Columbus stint. No, um, but man, uh, some exciting news. Um, as far as the All Star Game, the uh, 2024 All Star All Star Weekend, hosted by the Toronto Maple Leafs at Scotiabank Arena. Um, it's going to be a three day event now, and they're bringing back the. Uh, all-star player draft. I'm so fucking fired up I'm for this, so dude. I'm so excited. Absolutely it's, love it. Dude. Cause it, it's because, like, the player voting, or the not the player, well, yeah, the player voting, but it's, like, by the fan. That shit sucks because you just vote for your favorite player. Like, yeah. it's it's more fun if you get, like, a, a guy like Posternock that just gets, like, pick his team. Like, yeah, that's more fun to me. Like, I'd rather do that. So that's going to be really cool to see. I don't know who they'll – I don't know who they'll, who they'll choose, but – it, it, you know, from like a viewing standpoint as a fan, I think it'll be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. Well, do you guys remember back? I, I forgot what year it was, dude. Do you guys remember Le, when Luongo was still in the league? So it had to have been like. Well, remember Kessel was the last pick, dude. Like it oh, just yeah. was. It just was so like... fucking fitting, dude. It was so funny, dude. Is that, and uh, is that two thousand? Two thousand eleven. I don't even remember, dude. Has it been dude. that long? Yeah, yeah. Feel... Kessel's the last pick was hilarious. <laughs> you know, and he took it like a champ, man. Like who, who better? You know, just didn't like he get, he's... didn't he get something out of it, like a car or something? <laughs> Probably, yeah, dude. Ovechkin. Ovechkin. There's a. I saw a video today. Ovechkin was like talking to the guys. He was like, "Can I be the last pick? Like, I, like I need a car. Like he was like <laughs> trying to got, convince I think, every... he, I think he got like a car out of it. So like, yeah, was, Ovechkin like, was like trying to convince all these guys to be the last pick and like. Whoever the captain was, one of the captains was, I forgot who it was, just looked at him and he goes, no, you're you're Alex Ovechkin. <laughs> like, you're not going to be the last pick. <laughs> you're probably going to be the captain. <laughs> yeah, so they're, they're saying, you know, capping off NHL All-Star Weekend will be the Canadian Tire PWHL 3-on-3 showcase featuring elite That's players. Cool. Yeah, you know, 
featuring elite players from the Professional Women's Hockey League, the top professional league in women's hockey, three-on-three showdown in front of the whole crowd at Scotiabank Arena. I Again, I think it's a perfect opportunity, especially with how new the PWHL that's going to be starting in January. Yeah. Um, I think it's a perfect opportunity to kind of showcase, uh, you know, that new league and, um, you know, what they have. Because I think it's going to be, although I was not very fired up about the jerseys and everything, I mean, they just seemed kind of. Bl- I don't know if you guys saw any of those. They were they were all like word marked. I think they're coming out with logos. Like I think one of the one of the women from like one of the teams like they they were they were saying like oh that's just like you know it was just like generic just to like showcase the jersey but they'll have logos like I don't think they're gonna trot out every team with a diagonal word mark of what city they're in. Yeah. So. It- yeah, like, I, like, but th- like they were so plain. I was like, please tell me they didn't really do this. Like, because the Boston Pride ones were sick. Like those, those like those, like those jerseys were sick. Dude, I, I so I'm just reading this uh, this tweet right now. <laughs> in the last 24 to 48 hours, there has been interest in adding pl- a player like Corey Perry. This is from Frank Saravelli. Yeah, I've already seen that. Was that today? Yeah, I'm just was, getting that this was a couple, now. That was a couple hours ago. You you know who's involved, right? I guarantee you. Boston. <laughs> I, I, it, guarantee, like, I guarantee like, you. Like, has, you know what? This is a good segue. We're going to segue right into this. Yeah, well, that's, in every that's situation, what I... In every situation. No fucking way should you sign him. Dude, you... This would be like the third fucking type of weird scenario that you just shouldn't dip your toes into. And, like, I don't think they really thought Lucic was going to do what he did. I don't. No. I think that was I think that was a great feel-good story for the centennial season. He's never playing another game in a Boston Bruin uniform. I don't care what – he might literally – stay in the player assistance program till his contract's up at the end of the year. He's not playing for the Boston Bruins ever again. That's not happening. Um, Lucic fucked up. That's about as honest and blunt as you can put it. And, you know, you hope his family is okay as they get through the situation. He's never playing again. Last year with the Mitchell Miller thing, you should have never did that. I don't care that you're trying to get younger because your roster is old as dirt. You don't sign him. You don't even do that. You don't even try. That's not an option. Go get somebody else. There's a million other young players in the league. Go find somebody else. That was catastrophic. That was probably Don Sweeney's worst three days at at his job because you didn't just have, like, the fan base get pissed off. You had the players pissed off. And they they did not hold back speaking about it. And and that's – that speaks to the character that was in that room. And I'd like to think that character is still in that room. Given what just happened with Lucic, why in the why would you sign Corey Perry? I don't give a shit that you need toughness. You want toughness, go find it somewhere else. Don't sign do not bring that into into the into the city, into the locker room. Don't do that. Go go find somebody else that can hit people if that's what you're really looking for. Well, so I mean, as awful as it as awful as that would be, I mean that would be such a Don Sweeney esque move. It's so um, stupid, though. Yeah. Well, I it, personally, I have, and Don Sweeney's done some you know good things for the the Bruins organization, 
uh, you know, drafting Pasternak and what like that, that probably the best thing he's done for this team, but he's also done some real stupid shit. And I'm, I've never been the biggest fan of Don Sweeney. Um, before he, you know, I was really a fan of the, the, the Taylor Hall trade, but you know, before that I was on like, I was on the fire Don Sweeney train. Um, and he, I just think, you know, he, if he signs Corey Perry, the, the organization has to take a long look at, you know, it is Don Sweeney's time in Boston. Like, it, cause that, that would be a, a really an abysmal move. And I, like, well, even if you bring him in, who the hell are you sitting? Like, who's coming out so you can plug him in on the fourth line to hit people? It'd have to be Geeky or Heinen. You're not, you're not taking, yeah, you'll take Heinen. You're not going to take Geeky out. You just signed him to a two year, $2 million deal. That'd be a waste. Well, so he, let me play, been, let me play he has devil's advocate. most underwhelming player. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, he has. Well, I, no, I agree with that. I think injuries have played a, played a part in that. Um, He's on the well, fourth line right now. Yeah. They have He's Heinen in the top six. And I just got roasted on Twitter saying, why would you want Heinen in the top six? He doesn't do anything good. I'm like, okay, first of all, your profile pictures of a Bruins logo, so I guarantee you actually <laughs> have like very little hockey knowledge. But, yes, carry on about how much you don't like Dan Heinen and don't understand what he brings to the team. Yes, I agree. Thank you, sir, for your lousy input. So let, let me let me play devil's advocate here with, with this Corey Perry thing. And I'm, I'm not saying that they should sign him or they shouldn't sign him. I'm just saying, do you think when it's all said and done that Kyle Davidson took his opportunity? We don't know what the hell happened. It could have been something as little as who knows, or it could have been something as big as whatever. You know other teams are informed on on what happened, right? Like there's no way that just it's within the Chicago organization. I mean, other teams it's know. I mean, it's possible. Right? So – do you think Kyle Davidson kind of just took this opportunity to kind of put his foot down and be like, we are not allowing any fucking bullshit. Like that we're I'm not allowing it my time here. This is how I'm running things. This isn't going to be how it was. This yeah. isn't going to be. And, and again, turn over a new leaf. Yeah. And at that, and at that point, if it's something as little as fucking who knows, I'm not going to start speculating. But at that point, does, does that change your mind at all about, like, bringing in this guy for fucking nothing? Like, I, I don't know. It, it makes you wonder, like, obviously, if teams are already circling and trying to find out what the deal is, like, clearly it's not something as, like, teams aren't fucking calling for Milan Lucic right now. Let's be, they're not. He's but in the team, player assistance program. He ain't coming out. You know, and, and Corey Perry, like, I don't know, like, if it's something as little as whatever it may be, does that change your mind at all about possibly bringing him in, like, in but a to role? Do, so, so, to, so, okay, so to do what? To play the what, role so, that Milan so Lucic was supposed to play. Why can't a guy like Morgan Geeky do that with a little bit more upside given his youth? Because, like, listen. Why would we, like, why would we go for an aging veteran? And this is and this is why because you play a team like the Toronto Maple Leafs. I'm just gonna say it. Yeah, Revo hasn't been what you know the Revo of the past. Max Domi hasn't been the Max Domi of the past. Like he got. But again, we don't have we don't have anything that will that can match up to that. And don't even fucking tell me Trent Frederick. No, because if we, I'm not. That's exactly where my mind went. 
Yeah, uh, like, no, no, dude. No, but he's but he's like the only like. But we need him to play though. We need him in the lineup playing. He yeah. he's he's not a fighter. Like again, no. Yeah, Bruce Cassidy. I think wanted when he got drafted out of Wisconsin. We didn't draft him in the first round to be a fucking fighter. No. He wasn't. He was buried in Providence, just yeah. like you started seeing Johnny Beecher starting to be. He was buried in Providence, and now all of a sudden he's getting an opportunity, and look what's happening. He's got four goals on the fourth line so far, and he, again, he's making an impact, same as, as Frederick. Yep. Yep. So, so, yeah, my question is, yeah, to play that role that Milan Lucic was supposed to play. And I'm not saying that Perry would go fucking toe-to-toe with Reeves. But again, just to have that kind of that equal got, he, playing field. Yeah, he'll he'll do the sticking up for your teammate. You know, and, and, and again, this is by no means trying to start controversy or whatever, but like you're less than twenty four hours after this fucking this releasing and yeah. terminating of the contract and teams are already cir- circling and asking about the availability, kinda makes you wonder, and that's kind of my mind went to Kyle Davidson and good for Kyle Davidson. Like this is the this is the kind of organization he wants to run. This is no bullshit. That's how it should be run, right? And I so mean, the Bru- and the Bruins should not obtain more bullshit. Is no, way. and and like again, that's why I was I was trying to get your guys' take. Like if if the, we do find out, because again, I I I worry about the toughness piece of things. And you know, Mikey mm-hmm. on uh this is Mike Sullivan on on something's brewing. You know, he brings up. Yeah, Zadorov is a is a good option. I mean, I think you're gonna have to give up. You're gonna give bit. up at least. A, he'll go for less than like Hannafin and and Tanev will, but he'll still cost at least I'd say a second. But you'd have to make the money work because he makes more money than Forbert does. Yeah. So, but that's a but that's a guy you want. Like you have you have big defensemen that don't play big. Carlo, I can kind of understand with his injury history. Yeah, he, he's 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 kind of like not removed the physical element, but he's dialed it down. But he impacts his defensive game in other ways. I'm fine with that. Derek Forbert's just a pylon that plays in the penalty kill and costs three million fucking dollars. That's what he does, yeah. and he's 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 literally like if I could punt him into the sun, I would, but I can't. <laughs> but I would, and nobody's taking on that three million dollars because what's he gonna do? Nothing. Not yeah. not nothing. Do you, but do you, you don't. Grizz, do you move Grizzly? I don't want to. I don't want to, but yeah, I, I don't but either. I do, but... but I think like if you know you're not going to sign him, and this isn't like we're going to win the Stanley Cup this year, and you know you're not going to sign him because you have Mason Lowry who can possibly pay play top four minutes and is on an entry level deal. Not, not the way he's, he's looking he's, right now. You probably do that. He's got offensive upside, but he, yeah, he he gets caved in way too much. He's got yeah, his defense his defensive game is not NHL ready. No, where Gr- uh, where that's Gr- a hell of a lot of Yeah, yeah the- Mason, Mason Lowry is exactly what the fan base thinks Matt Grizzlick is. That's the problem. Yeah, and Matt Grizzlick's actually very effective. Go look at his metrics. If if you fans don't believe me, go try and underst- understand them yourself. But they're good. And he's impactful, and you probably will miss him when he's gone. And Mason Lowry's getting caved in every night. Yeah, yeah. talking about think... talking about smaller defensemen, Tory Krug would make such an impact on this team, and it really sucks that he got buried in that awful St. Louis roster. Yeah, he chose that himself. <laughs> I don't feel true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm a, I'm a Mac Grizzlick defender, dude, till the end. Like I I, I love I think, his game. I think he gets moved though. It, it, like I think like I don't I don't know if like. 
Don Sweeney actually will, but if the offer's good enough, it'd be really hard to say no if you know you're not going to sign him. But so the, you, the thing is, what are you bringing in though? Like in your mind, what are you looking to bring in? This, if you're this, deli- is a br- this is a bridge year, dude. To me, this is such a bridge year. Like let the kids play. Let like figure out what you have. Yeah. Like this isn't last year. This is not last year by any means. Like, hey, the record you, is you, indicating that it's trending that way. No, it's not. Because guess what? The team is exactly looking like what it's looked like at the beginning of the year, and it got masked because of winning and good goaltending. Goaltending, goaltenders are human. They're eventually going to have bad games. I'm not going to fault Jeremy Swayman for probably three of the four goals that were scored on him in Detroit. Yeah. You can probably say the same for Olmark to a degree, but goaltenders are human too. The Bruins don't get caved in at five on five, but it's very even with their metrics. Like their goals percentage is even. It's like barely above 50%. Core side, they're under 50%. They get caved in sometimes and they're chasing the game, but they're in it because of the goalies. It's just, it is what it is. But you, but you're, you're in a year where you don't have money. You lost your two centers. You're kind of just making it work with what you got. That's what this year is for, to see what you have with these kids. For the first time, you have youth. See what you have. You saw what you have at Low and you sent him down so he can develop more, and there's nothing wrong with that. No need to rush the kid. But To answer to, Chris's to, to, question. To go all in at this deadline, is, is to me, is not really. I mean, is it, this isn't a year where you're probably going to win the Stanley Cup. This is a year where you're going to be competitive and you're, you might be a playoff team. But I don't think the Bruins are going to win the Stanley Cup this year. Yeah, Zach, you need you, you, you need you need better depth too. Yeah, scoring wise. So to answer Chris's question, he, he when we we're talking about Grizzly, he goes, "Well, like what would like what would you bring in?" And I think with the Bruins, they need and you know obviously you might have to give up another piece pick here, like whatever it might be. Um, it wouldn't be straight up for Grizzly, but a top six scoring winner because like Dave like. Charlie Coyle has been great. David Pasternak does David Pasternak's things. We all expect that from him. But, like, Jake DeBrusque has been terrible. Brad Marchand isn't having the greatest year offensively. It's, uh, I mean, Pavel Zaka has been great. But, like, you got to bring in another top six winger that can mm-hmm. score. Because Jake DeBrusque is not a top six winger. Right make, Grizzlick would make, like, to Zach's point, a good hockey trade. Like what you saw with Columbus and Nashville years ago with Seth Jones and Ryan Johansson. That just worked for both parties at that time. And for the longevity of it, it worked. And I, yeah, if you're going to part with Grizzly, like if you want draft compensation, cool. But I do agree. Get, get a scoring winger. Like or something. We have, like you said, if it say two, three months from now, low rise defensive game has developed and, you know, he can, it, he can play at an NHL level and not get caved in on every uh, three on two, two on like whatever it might be, um, then I trade it, it like you said it'd be a great hockey trade. It would work for both parties. Bruins have a defenseman they can part with. They need to bring in a scoring winger. Find a team. There's plenty of teams that could use a defenseman like Grizzly. Like oh, it, yeah, there's, there's so many, many suitors. Yeah, there's so many scenarios where a trade for Grizzly could work. It's just all about finding the right one and finding a player. That's the right fit for the Bruins because I really his, think and fit his cap is a big hit's thing not high either. No, it's a so little like over three fi- five. Even financially, like a team with maybe a little bit of space at the deadline, they can absorb that. 
And it's not like you're trading like a Seth Jones. And it's like, oh shit, someone's got to eat half of it, get a third party into like be the broker. Like you don't have to go that route. So it, it just poses a question. I mean, I do agree with the toughness thing, but it's like, don't bring baggage in when you've had to deal with it the last two seasons. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and even if they can't make something work, do you consider bringing up a guy like Fabian Lysel? 18 games, he's got six goals, eight assists, 14 points, and is a, yeah. plus, and is a plus six. So, yeah. I mean, listen, Why like, not? listen. You know, we're we're kind of trending on this finally giving these these kids opportunities, right? And and it's paying off for us. I mean, look at Patra, he's he's made the most of his opportunity. Beecher, same way, like Lorai obviously needs a little bit more work, but I think we're gonna be talking about a top, you know, a top pair defenseman at some point. If not, you know, top two pair. Yeah. But why not bring up a guy like Lysel? Like I I don't know, man. Like what what's the worst that, that happens? You give him, give they him a fucking... nine game, give him a nine game skid, like like you did for Potra, and then you made your decision, like you did for Lowry, you made your decision. Granted, he came in because of injury, but still, you you got a nice look at him. It can't hurt. Like I mean, the Bruins don't have draft capital to to really part with, right? Either, like if anything, they need to obtain draft capital, not not give it up. And unless you're going to trade, and the, and the free agency class is extremely loaded. So if you want to bring in like a legit third pair defenseman, physicality, toughness, the whole shebang, you got the summer to do it. It just depends what's out there. Well, that's why it makes me kind of lean towards them hanging on to Grizzly. Like, I feel like they're not going to take on any more money, right, for an extended period of time, like someone already under contract. Like, listen, that this Grizzly contract is going to be freed up at the end of the year. Do you let so, him? So is, so is Forbert and so is Shattenkirk. So you have three pieces to fill in on the back end, but one of them could be Lowry. Right. So my question is, is do you let them ride it out this year and then you have all that? I mean, they're still serviceable defensemen. Matt Grizzlick sure as hell is. Shattenkirk yeah. has been pretty he's, good. He's, he's doing what he he's – well, the third pair is a nightmare. They they don't know. Yeah. Like, they need to figure that out. Honestly. They haven't had any stability there. And well, they keep they keep rotating them out. I mean, I get I get Forbert was was out for a time period, but you like you're just rotating Mitchell and Shattenkirk with Forbert. And it's just you you kind of are seeing what you saw with Connor Clifton and Forbert. It just wasn't good. Yeah, Ian Mitchell is terrible. So he Derek is so bad, dude. He's at least Derek. At least Derek Forbert serves a purpose on the penalty kill. Ian Mitchell is yeah, put him on the ice, and it's just but even dude. But he even sucks. then, even then, lately Forbert hasn't. He's been a fucking traffic cone. Yeah, no. And actually, looking at looking at Ian Mitchell's like metrics, they they were better than Forbert's over this three game well, skid. Yeah, but so, you're seeing with these losses, you're seeing all these glaring holes that were there right. at the beginning of the year. Yeah. No one wanted to admit it because they were winning and every, everyone was happy and sucked into the record and the goaltending was elite and they were keeping you in games. But the Bruins were chasing games a ton. Uh, offensive scoring is not very consistent. You're relying on your top guys. You're getting caved in defensively. It's shit that was there since game like three when they went to California. Right. But they were winning and they were finding ways to win. It just has kind of caught up with them a little bit, and it's yeah, fine. Yeah. Get the adversity out of the way now. Get it out of the way. Like you didn't face any last year. Yeah, you, dude. You got your you got your 
lunch money stolen from you in the in the playoffs and you got complacent in the month of March. Yeah, so get it out of the way now. You know, Charlie McAvoy touched on it. He, he said it's a good thing they're facing it to play through it. But, you know, it, it, time will tell what they do. Yeah, they were – they did with DeBrus too. Like, you know, Matt, you know, all this talk about Matt Grizzly being in the contract year, so is Jake DeBrusque. And he's a UFA. They both are. So it's it, – it, you know, decisions are going to have to be made. And But I agree. If, you, if you're going to trade Grizzly, at least get a scoring winger. Maybe someone that will at least be inclined to sign if they are indeed a rental. Yeah. I mean, well, sticking on the – sticking on the uh, – sorry, Chris, go ahead. No, you're good, man. You're good, man. I, I was thinking oh. out loud. I, I was going to say, sticking on the topic of defensemen, I mean, I think we have to talk about Quinn Hughes, Kel McCarr, and, and the Norris Trophy. Yes, I am so ready for this. <laughs> I've been, I mean, I, and this I've is been this like, is one that I have a lot to say about because – what well, this Quinn, yeah, so what Quinn Hughes is doing, you know, is re- really amazing. And he's having a phenomenal season, really establishing himself as one of the NHL's elite offensive defensemen. And I, I, yeah, I call him offensive defenseman. And I'm going to come back to that. <laughs> and, I mean, Kel, Kel McCarr has been great, too. I mean, he's sec- second in points with 32, uh, most takeaways with 20 among defensemen, most assists uh, among def- – or most assists in – General, 26-14 primary, uh, 3.77 points per 60 minutes. I mean, he's playing great, too. But here's my thoughts. Sure. It's the, Nor- it's the Norris Trophy. It's the best defenseman award. I don't understand why all of these offensive stats are coming into play. And, it's like, and there, there needs to be two separate awards, best mm-hmm. defensive defenseman and best yep. offensive defenseman. Because the Norris has turned into a best offensive defenseman award. That's just what it is. Yep. And and if Quinn Hughes keeps up the goal scoring, keeps up the assists, he's going to win it because he's going to end up being the defenseman with the most points. And with this award, that should not matter. I've been saying this to other people, the people I talk to, you know, my friends, whatever, whoever I may be talking to, and this comes up. I, I will, it, again, another hill I'm willing to die on is that. It's a defensive defenseman award. Let's give it to the defenseman with the best stats defensively. Mm-hmm. Who cares how many goals he scored? That doesn't. That shouldn't matter for the Norths. Yeah, that was like uh, that was like last year. Like, so, I mean, Carlson won it because he hit a hundred points. He sucked defensively. He was arguably the worst defenseman in terms of actually playing defense. I thought it. I honestly advocated that it should have went to Adam Fox. He had the points, but he was also like the best defensively. And even Hampus Lindholm was, I think he finished top five last year because his metrics were good, but no, it's, you're right. It's, it's a points thing. And as long as you're good enough defensively, you don't have to be great, but good enough defensively, you're probably going to win the Norris. They'll probably vote for Quinn Hughes just because it's different, but the race race between him and Kale McCarr is a lot closer than people want to admit. Yeah, I mean, you know, Kel McCarr is Kel McCarr, but what Quinn Hughes doing and emerging himself like this is just how are you going to win? How are you going to win the Norris Trophy, right, as the best defenseman, as a fucking minus twenty six? There's no way he's a minus twenty six when he's outscoring opponents twenty six to eleven when on the ice. Eric Carlson. Oh, Carlson. Eric Carlson won Norris last year, finishing off the year as a minus twenty six. Because he did something no one did in 30 years. Exactly. And and 
And the reason why I'm going to advocate for Hughes is what his team is doing as well and how big of a contributor he is to his team's success. San Jose was one of the worst teams in the NHL last year, and you're going to say that he's the most important defenseman, best defenseman, whatever. That's a crock of bullshit. It's because it's he hit the century, man. That's the only reason why. It was so, obvious. I mean, you know, Fox, and, was, Fox was arguably the best defensively last year. Yeah, and, and I think – we can all agree it's going to come down to McCarr and Hughes. Yeah, we'll I don't – this year I don't see it. Like, last year it was somewhat close, I feel like. No, this last year, this year it was runaway Carlson because he hit the 100-point mark. And but, no, again, I, and people know, I, though. People knew, I, like, instantly. Yeah. I advocated that it should have been Fox because of his defensive metrics, and he still hit almost 80 points. But, yeah, once Carlson hit the 100, it was like a shoe-in. Yeah, it was it was it was a, it signed, sealed, and delivered once Carlson hit 100 points because nobody's done that in 30 years, and it's it 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 was a points thing. It's it, you know, if, and then if they didn't give it to him and they gave it to Fox because of his defensive metrics plus the points, there would have been an absolute uproar from NHL fans because oh my god, he hit 100 points. Why didn't he get the Norris? Because Eric Carlson's not not an offensive player. Like he, a, it, he's a defenseman. Like let's like let's process that for a second. It's a shame too, because you'll you have like a lot of these defensemen that are actually outstanding defensively. That I'm not saying they'll never win a Norris, but it's like they won't get the recognition they deserve for a Norris. Like, How about a guy like Charlie McAvoy? Three, three I can think of. One's McAvoy, hundred percent. He just he has the points, but it's like it's almost not enough but his defensive metrics are there. Miro Haskinen arguably is probably one of the best, if not the best shutdown defenseman in the league. He just doesn't have the points and is stuck playing with Ryan Suter the entire time. Where you look at a guy like Kale McCarr, who is blessed playing with Devin Taves, and he pretty much can do the defense thing while McCarr also does the defense thing, but can do the offense thing. And then you have a guy who probably no one knows about because he plays in Carolina, and that's Jacob Slavin. He is arguably one of the best shutdown defensemen also in the league, but he will never come close to the points. Yeah, another guy nope. I want to bring up too is he finished fifth in Norris voting last year. But to your point, he's one of those guys that probably will never get the top three, top two, or win. You know, the the love that he Ooh. should get is Josh Morrissey oh, out, of, well, out, out of Winnipeg. He had, Dude, a good he, year. he had a good year too. Where did he finish last year? I thought he was up fifth. there last year. He fifth, finished he fifth, fifth, but I don't fifth. see him ever winning no, he, no, he winning the win. trophy. I mean, he just had like a really insane career year last year and looked really fun. Yeah, but he, I mean, but it, and that was like a it was partially a points thing, but he was still good in his own end. Yeah, yeah, he was. I mean, he was he's nasty, dude. And I'm looking at this, you know, the list, and yeah, Lindholm finished fourth. I mean, Lindholm had a fucking career year too. I mean, but he was, but he was there. like really good in his own end. Yeah. That was Quinn, the, that was the whole thing with him is like he was amazing in his own end. Yeah, Quinn Hughes ninth, Darlene eighth, Heiskanen, dude. You mentioned Heiskanen. Uh, Sully and I were talking about it one of he our had a first episodes. Year too. He had yeah, a one year of our dude. One of our first episodes, I said that he was a top three defenseman at this point. I think I put him at three. He's, he's easily for me top five at for sure, hundred percent. Yeah, I, I, if I don't put him three, he's he's fourth. I mean, he's. Yeah, I had Makar, Fox, Heiskanen, McAvoy, uh, Hedman at four, 
and then five ahead McAvoy. Yeah, they should. They should do a defensive defenseman award, like something. Do like the Bobby. Do like the Bobby Orr award. Like, like if you want to talk offensive defenseman, like an example, I guess I could just just a random player, but like someone who might just not be like say like a guy like Rasmus Dahlin. If he's like a minus like. 20 but has like 88 points and wins the Norris. It's like, what the fuck are we doing here? Like, yeah, was he even well, good? Did he even de- did he do anything defensively? Clearly, he didn't. It's shit like that. Where, like, I agree with Zach, get a defensive defenseman award to give players the recognition they deserve for, for defending well. Like, shut down defensemen don't get enough love. Like, as a Bruins fan, I hear it all the time. Like, Brandon Carlo is a pylon. Brandon Carlo is not a pylon. Brandon Carlo is a shutdown defenseman. Because he doesn't have 50 points, like, that doesn't make him a pylon. That makes him just good at his job. Like, they, yeah, you know, got, they just – they don't get the recognition they deserve, man. Yeah, last year, I mean, I one of our first – because one of our first episodes here on Drop the Mets, it was around award time. And I just – I can remember how fucking outrageous. I mean, I agreed with most of the most of the awards, right? I mean, they were all pretty cut and dry last year. Um, yeah, for the, as, like you, like, I mean, the heart you knew was going to go the way it did. Yeah. You know, the Vesna was pretty cut and dry. Um, Jack Adams, all of them. I think the only one that really, even, even like the Calder, I mean, it was, it was closer, but Matt, you knew Matty Beneers was going to take it. I think Logan Thompson had a chance until he got hurt. Yeah. And then once he, he got hurt, kind of just ran just, away with it. Yeah. Once he yeah. got hurt, that was it. Yeah. Um, this year, I think it'll be a race, but I think it's starting to kind of pull away right now. Dude, McDavid is is coming back though. He's Nine on points fucking... in two games. Holy he's got shit. a he's got eleven and three now. He's got eleven and three games now. Dude, the, the Oilers like I'm just gonna say it now, and it can be documented. But the Oilers are gonna do what the Panthers did last year, and they're just gonna claw their way into the playoffs and go on this <laughs> deep fucking run, and or they're gonna the like go to the Stanley Cup final. It's gonna dude. Be- I think they have McDavid right now. If I believe I checked DraftKings, and I, if I can remember correctly, I think they have McDavid at like a plus four hundred. That's outstanding value for McDavid to win the heart. Yeah, I mean, toss a couple. Yeah, dude, toss like because he the the heater that he's on right now, eleven points in three games. Like, and he's starting to look. Yeah, like, like I mean, last year the way that the way that he was playing, he could fucking score at will. Right, oh, like he was, whenever he, was he wanted, like what he was doing was just historic, like shit we haven't seen in, yeah, you know, years. Like he he was just doing like what Gretzky was doing, like when he was playing, and and to do it in this league is so hard. Like yeah, it's so you, different, you know. And you know what's funny? You mentioned the the coaching switch where the kind of they just maybe needed that kick in the ass. It seems like it might it's be the, working. Yeah, yeah dude. Like, and, are and, they back? I mean, <laughs> yeah, and and I think. Like I said, I think their Achilles heel is still going to be goaltending down the stretch. And it's like, until they, man, this offseason, I'd be going balls in to bringing in, bringing in a number one tender. I don't care what the fuck I have to give up. I mean, obviously you're keeping Dreisaitl and you're keeping McDavid, but listen. You got to gotta, gotta find ways to keep them like wanting to stay and wanting yeah. to be part of things and, and being happy and you know, you know, dry settle has a year left. I mean, everybody's starting to question what's going to happen with them. I mean, I know we've touched on it on previous episodes, but it's like it's not really an outlandish thing. But yeah. if they if they start playing well and they can kind of go on a run, 
Be like you know, Panthers, play playoff hockey for the whole year and dig yourself out of this hole and get yeah. the wild card and just get in. Just get in. That's all you got to do. Stay healthy and get in, and anything's possible. Yeah, I think at that point, dude, like especially if they make a run, I don't know if they're going to – I don't have them winning the cup, obviously. I, I think it would be outrageous if they were able to get that done. Who cares? Yeah, it, does, it is. But at the end of the year – I would have no problem moving a Darnell Nurse. I'd have no problem moving an Evander Kane. I'd have no they, problem moving. They all have. They all have trade protection. That's the problem. Well, they'd right, have to right. make it. They'd have to make it work. You know, obviously. Oh, yeah. But and who who the hell is taking on Darnell Nurse's awful contract? No one's taking that. You'd have to eat. You'd have to eat a, a good amount of that contract. But if it it'd means probably bringing, have to be like sixty percent at least. Yeah. But it's what? Do you think it's worth it though? If you're bringing in a number one goalie, I think it is. Oh, 100%. But who else do they have on the back end? That back end's already. Like, I love Evan Bouchard, dude. Yeah, I that, love dude, Evan that's, Bouchard. That's one guy. <laughs> that's one dude. But you need a goalie, dude. I know. Matthias Matthias Ekholm. That's I it. like it. after after that. It's. I lo- I like Philip Broberg. It's it's bleak. I mean, they're not like standouts, but it's. It's a little murky. I think it'd be easier for them to bring in, like, I don't want, I hate to say it like this, but like spot defensemen rather than fucking what they've been trying to do and bring in spot goaltending. Yeah. And by that, I mean, dude, listen, you ain't fucking Jack Campbell. I didn't trust that signing when they fucking did it. I mean, it would have been fine if they did it. Just don't pay him $5 million a year. It was bad. And, and like I said, it just seems like, they put themselves in these spots, and yeah, you know, we talked about it, you know, two weeks ago. It's a Ken Holland thing. Yeah, that yeah. that's what that is. I mean, he's, he's gotta go. Yeah, and, he, and he's he will be gone. I mean, I yeah, can't after this season. There's no yeah. way he's still in Edmonton. There's just no way. No, and if they'll, he is, they'll they'll transition. Yeah, but well, listen, guys, boys. So for, this... so for next week, since we just like did awards, do you guys want to like come in with like? your top three for the main awards just to see like, you know, just to like, since we're a quarter away through the season. Yeah. I, I'm fine so with a fun segment. That. Yeah. I think yeah. that would be a lot of fun. We, uh, we could do we all debate. the awards. We could debate a little bit. Yeah. Do some, you know, bring some stats to the table. I think that'd be fun. Um, so yeah, that'll be next week. And, and obviously, you know, we took two weeks off, but it was good to get back in the swing of things. And, um, oh, yeah. yeah, if, if there's nothing else, do you, is there anything else you guys got? Uh, touch just real quick touching on the hurricanes inconsistencies. Like they've just been like, it's just been bad, dude. Like it's, it's like, they're not, they're not playing the same dominant, the same dominant way that they usually are. And that's the problem. Like they've had some alarming quotes come out like the last couple of weeks, like, you know, Jordan Stahl spoke out, just doesn't look like completely buying into things like how we do things. Like, just saying they look like they're a 500 club. You know, they're winning some games, losing some games. They're just kind of getting by. Like, Brendan Moore's labeled it as inconsistencies. And he's frustrated. And this is a guy, like, he's kind of set up the system there, and it's worked. They kind of, like, went on a little heater. They won two games in a row. Outscored their opponents 10-5. to five. They had 15 different skaters have a point in their 6-3 win over Edmonton. So it's like, okay, things are looking up. Then they get killed by Tampa Bay. Ranta had a 467 save percentage, and Tampa Bay had a 53% shooting percentage at the end of the game. Brendan Moore was pissed. 
to the point where he just was like, yeah, the shit I'm going to say in the locker room, I can't say here. Yeah. They've popped off a little bit, you know, outscoring their opponents seven to three, winning two games in a row. But it's just nuts that they are so inconsistent given the talent that's somewhat on the roster and the system they play. Yeah, good at five on five. Their PK's taking a hit. They're twenty fourth in the league after being second last year. Goaltending's dead last in save percentage. Yeah, that whole division has been. Yeah, that whole division has been inconsistent, dude. The the Metro's going the polar opposite that I envisioned. Yeah, I mean, I think the Rangers at some point down the stretch, especially, are going to run away with it. Um, but man, seeing Philly at three, Washington even at ten six and two. Charlie Lindgren, baby. Yeah, he's man carrying he's, that team in net right now. He is, and you know he's gonna get a fucking bag after too. I don't know how if he's under contract for next season, but that's usually how it goes. He'll get fucking paid next yeah. year. Um, yeah. But yeah, that division is a lot more. Um, it, it, I mean, right now, yeah, Rangers at fifteen four and one, Carolina thirteen eight. Who the fuck knows, man? Philly at eleven and ten one. That's for, for Carolina. For Carolina and New Jersey, they need to figure out their goaltending, or else I I, I think it'll kind of doom their seasons. And There's this is kind of like teams that need to figure out their goaltending. Yeah. For Carolina, for Carolina, it's almost more important. At least New Jersey has their core locked up, and they're they're able it's to true. at least compete and contend for the next coming years. But Vitek Vanacek's looked like a pile of dog shit, and Akira Schmid, he's only played eight games, but he's looked a little bit better, but not by much. But Dude, if Carolina doesn't figure it out, man, like it's a cup or bust year for them. I've said that before because they have a lot of contracts off the books. And if they don't kind of get back to their system and they kind of play the way they are, teams can kind of have their way with them. And I don't think fan the fan base there, I mean, they, this this is a team that's been labeled as a as a true cup contender for the last few seasons. So yeah. yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see how it pans out. You know, Zach mentioned there's a lot of fucking teams that uh that, need that have goaltending issues, and <laughs> yeah. only only a few of them are gonna actually get to address those. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, I mean, Zach is uh, is there anything you wanted to bring up? Oh, I think I'm all set. You know, cover covered all the points I was I was getting at. Yeah, so you know, like we mentioned, it was a it was a good two weeks off. Um, I hope you guys and I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. But we're kind of back in the swing of things now. Um, Heck yeah, kind of getting back into our routine, and uh, we have an awesome interview. I mean, I, every every interview we do is awesome, and uh, you know, getting to talk to these you know these players who play at such a high level, just getting to know them and their you know what it took to get to this point, but. Um, this week we have from the National Development Program, the U.S. National Development Program, and Boston University commit um, Camille Bednarik. Um, he's a center for the for uh, the U.S. National Program. He just signed his letter of intent um, a few weeks back with uh, Cole Hudson and Cole Eiserman, which was pretty cool. He was part of that too. Um, you know, he talks about what that was like getting to do that with his buddies and and playing on this loaded team. Um, so yeah, without further ado, we bring you uh, Camille Bednarik. Welcome back to another episode of Drop the Mitts Hockey Podcast, brought to you in partnership with Primetime Productions. We are with U.S. National Development Program Center in Boston University commit Camille Bednarik. How are you doing, buddy? Good to have you on. Yeah, good. How are you? Thank you for uh, having me. Yeah, man. Uh, first off, you know I want to congratulate you on you know officially signing um, with BU. Um, yeah, thank you. 
It was so sick, dude. You got to do it with your two buddies and uh, talk yeah. to us. Talk to us about what that was like. Obviously, having two of your good buddies next to you, and uh, you know Cole Eiserman and Cole Hudson. Talk to us about that day, and obviously getting to do that with your buddies. Yeah. Uh, I've been buddies with Cole for or Cole Hudson for a while because uh, he's from Chicago and so am I. So I played with him back in the day. Back in the day, so it was uh, pretty cool that we're going to the same school now. And obviously, I built a really good friendship friendship with uh, Cole Eisman over these past two years. So yeah, that day when we signed, it was just really cool. And yeah, it was awesome. Can't wait for it. What uh? So what made you fall in love with BU? Like, obviously, you had you had to have gone to the campus. Like, what yeah. made you fall in love with that school? And and were there any other schools um that were you know even close to BU in your mind? Yeah, so I played uh before the the national team development program. I was uh, at uh, New Jersey Rockets, so I was on the East Coast. And then uh, with my time out there, I just like fell in love with the East Coast. And uh, I, I wasn't really too sure like where I wanted to go to school yet. But I definitely knew I wanted to go to the East Coast rather than like the Midwest or something like that. I just fell in love with like the East Coast so much while I was there. And then um, so with the Rockets at the very start of the year, they did like a uh, college exposure camp. So they're really good with like getting colleges to come and watch our games and stuff. So I'm very thankful for that. And uh, there was a few teams that came out. Boston University was one of them. And uh, they watched me play. So we just like it was like uh, like games between like the Rockets players. And then they would just come watch and evaluate us. Um, and obviously I did pretty well there. And uh, Boston University was one of the schools that had interested in me. And I uh, wasn't really too sure. I didn't know a lot about Boston University at the time. Uh, but after after they talked to me, I did some research and I thought it was pretty cool. And um, there was also like pretty much like uh, all the Boston schools had interest in me. So I ended up deciding to um, go to like one of the Boston schools because I liked that area a lot. And then I went out to uh, to visit like all the Boston schools and then Boston University was obviously my favorite out of all of them. I think it's the best fit for me. And I just like I fell in love with the city of Boston and also playing there this season. It was like the coolest thing ever. And that like really solidified my decision to like go there, like just even driving, driving to the rink from the hotel on the bus. Like we were stuck in traffic and um, just like I was just looking out the window with my headphones on and it would just the city was just beautiful and it was so cool. Can't yeah. wait to play there. Yeah, that so actually that was one of my questions later on is I want I want to know about you being able to play at Aganis, dude. And obviously you guys went in there and, and dominated. I mean, let's be really Yeah. Here. Um talk to us about what it was like that crowd, just the, co the college atmosphere, like talk to us about what that was like. Yeah, it was unreal. Um they they actually uh, set up like a few uh, like uh like cardboard like um like pictures of of me uh Hudson and uh Eisenman. Yeah. So like there were like a few like uh BU guys in the stands like holding up like just like pictures of us. So that was like pretty cool when we first walked out. And uh yeah, I I've never really played in front of that big of a crowd before um and it was just really cool with the student section and stuff and the arena is sick so it was awesome playing there hopefully they weren't chirping you too bad no no yeah, man. Uh, it was all right but. i mean like i said you guys went in there and, and 
I, I would have liked to have made it. Um, but from what I've heard, all the people that were there, like I said, you guys dominated. But um, so obviously, yeah, being committed to BU, um, what are you most excited for next season? Um, you know, obviously it's a loaded BU roster. They're, you know, they're fun to watch this year. They got a lot of talented kids, you know, on that team. What are you most excited for next season? Yeah, I'm just very excited for just like the college life. Uh, it's going to be a new experience. It'll be pretty cool, like managing like a good amount of school and then also the hockey and also just like building relationships with the guys there, the new new teammates I'll have, new coaches. And uh, it'll be pretty cool with like the student section there. Like uh, every game, I haven't really had that type of experiment, experience yet. So it'll be pretty cool just like the college hockey aspect of it. And hopefully, you know, we go, well, when I'm, when I'm there, we go pretty far. So I can't wait for that. For sure, man. You know, earlier you mentioned, you know, you're from Illinois, uh, specifically Elmhurst. Um, your early days starting off playing hockey, um, who would you credit most for getting you started playing hockey and, and ultimately um, helping you fall in love with the game? Yeah, uh, I would actually say my mom. She actually taught me to skate when I was little. So uh, maybe when I was like, I would say when I was three, three years old, my mom uh started teaching me to skate because uh they came from slovakia they were born in slovakia so they came here and uh started a family here and then they uh, like watching on the tv they loved watching uh basketball uh and hockey so they decided to like throw me on some skates and then my mom would like take me to like a free skate and teach me how to skate so i'll definitely uh dedicate like my love for hockey uh to her because she pretty much taught me how to how to skate originally like the funny thing was like every time like i would make a lap around like the the ice sheet uh my mom would give me like a, a one skittle for every time i went around so i'd like keep going so that's, that's so funny. good so, so yeah, did you, yeah. did you know that? how to did you know how to skate originally um i don't I don't, I don't think she knew. Well, I, I guess she was all right. I mean, she was, Yeah. I, I guess she was just like, well, she was just like gliding. She wasn't really skating. So <laughs> she, I guess she learned with me at the same time. So you, you got to, you owe your, uh, your hockey skills to uh, Skittles, I guess. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not, a, not a paid sp uh, partnership or whatever, but uh, no. so I, uh, I looked up, man, you're, so where you're from is less than an hour away from the United Center. Um, yeah. Growing up, who was your favorite team? I mean, I have to assume it was probably the Blackhawks. I don't know. But um, for one, who was your favorite team? And did you have a, a certain player or players that you kind of gravitated towards that you, you know, you really wanted to be like? Yeah, it was it was definitely the Blackhawks. Um, that, that time when they were winning all those cups in 2010, 2013, 2015, like that was like just so electric watching them and going to the games. Also, I went to a few games and uh, yeah, it was definitely the Blackhawks. I watched them on TV every single game growing up and uh, I would definitely try to want to be like Patrick Kane was one of the guys I would love watching just unreal player. And uh, I would also love watching Marion Hosa. Because oh uh, he's he, he's also Slovak, so I'm yeah. uh, you know my family's from Slovakia, so I would I would watch him a lot. So those two guys are definitely two guys that I would I would be watching out there. So I got to ask you for for players. I'm a little bit older than you, but for players that you've you know been able to grow up and watch, 
who would you say is like on your Mount Rushmore of like best players that you got to grow up watching? Yeah. Well, it would definitely be, I would say, Patrick Kane. Well, are you are you referring to watching in person or just like on the TV? Just, yeah, just even TV, you know, growing up, watching on TV, in person, whatever. You know, like obviously during like I grew up in the, you know, mid-90s, so it's yeah. a little, little bit different. So for like, yeah, players that you just grew up watching on the TV, in person, just yeah. players you yeah, want to like. Yeah, a few guys, I would say definitely Patrick Kane, probably number one. And then maybe I loved watching also Patrice Bergeron play. Uh, it's what who I actually try to like model my game after right now. Uh, we I like to say we play very similar type games. He retired, but what when he played? And um, I would also say I loved watching Alex Ovechkin. He was one of my favorite guys to watch, scoring all those goals, and. Uh, finally, I would probably say Steven Stamkos also. I just love watching goal scorers, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, man, that's a good list. That's all legends yeah. right there. Um, so, you know, you this season you're, you're over a point per game player. Um, but one thing that really stands out to me is how responsible you are in the defensive zone, in your own zone. Um, I, I want to know, so you mentioned Patrice Bergeron. Um, are there any other players, um, in the league right now, um, that you kind of try to emulate your game after kind of that just responsible in your own zone, but can also, you know, make plays offensively. Yeah. I try to model my game after like a current player now uh, would be Pierre-Luc Dubois. He's a, uh, you know, 200 foot player center. Uh, he's also a playmaker just like me, but at the same time he can score goals. Um, so yeah, I would say Pierre-Luc Dubois and also maybe like a Michael Backlund, same type of player. We have the same number. So, uh, yeah, those two guys. He's dude, he's a sneaky player. Like he's always in the running for like, uh, you know, Selkie trophies. Like you don't hear a lot about him, but like you actually get a chance to watch him and he's phenomenal in his own zone, you know, but, um, you know, you're having, you're having a really strong season. You and, you know, all your teammates for that matter. Um, you know, what are some areas in your game um, that you really pride yourself on? Um, areas that you ju- you really care about? Um, and then what are some areas that you, you really want to try to focus on improving before um, going to BU? Yeah. So I'll definitely say my 200-foot game is my biggest strength and my biggest asset. I'm a very versatile player. I can play, like, in any situation of the game, like 5-on-5, five 5-on-4, five, 5-on-3, five five over time. And uh, I can be successful in those situations. And um, uh, along with me, like being a 200 foot player and playing well on both ends, uh, I would say that a weakness of mine would be or uh, like an area where I need to improve is um, I tend to give up too much offense to help out the defensive side when in like uh, like uh, I, I need to like learn how to balance in between. So like instead of giving up that too much offense and helping out the defense, like create a balance because I feel like I don't show my offensive skill as much as I have it. And uh, just to help out the defensively, I like to play a little bit more safe than I need to. Yeah, for sure. No, that definitely makes sense. Um, it, I wanted to kind of off tangent a little bit. Is there, is there any specific reason why you wear number 11? I always like it's my all time favorite number. Always has been. I, I got to ask, and you wear number 11. I have to ask if there's any significance. Yeah, I see the jersey behind Yeah, it. I did. Yeah. Uh, actually, it's 
Uh, not really any particular reason. I actually wore number 38 my whole life uh, because of uh, Pavel Dimitra. He's a, a Slovak player. He's a, He died in, like, that plane crash back in the day. Yeah, man, so I, I wore real. 38, like, my whole life in honor of him. But then uh, when I went to the Rockets, there's actually a player who already had number 38, and I had to, I had to switch my number, which kind of sucked. But I just, like, decided to go 11, just, like, the two number ones. So I, I'm using that now again. So it's the 11 and 38 are, like, my two lucky numbers. So, yeah. Man, Pavel Dimitra, that's a name. Like, fuck, absolute legend, dude. That, that story was so unfortunate. But he was a guy that I remember growing up watching. He was unreal, dude. Yeah. Um, you know, you guys, a couple weeks back, uh, you know, you guys went to Finland. Um, talked to a few of the other guys on your team. You guys had an absolute blast. Um, what, yeah. was your, what was your biggest takeaway from that trip? And, and what was your favorite part of that, that entire experience? Yeah, my biggest takeaway for sure uh, with with uh, our coach was telling this like pretty much the whole trip after that one Sweden game where we kind of fell apart towards the end. Um, just like playing the being committed to the team for the full 60 minutes, we had we kind of had to work on that during our time in Finland after that Sweden game. But uh, yeah, just like we have to play until the very end. Uh, because, you know, teams, those guys from the other countries are really good. They're going to come back. So we kind of let off that gas pedal a little bit in, against Sweden, and it came back to haunt us a little bit. Uh, but then after that game, we really focused on that, and we got really good with that, being committed to the team for the every, every minute of the game to until the end. So, yeah. And uh, the funnest, like, the best experience or whatever I had there was probably uh, our rooms, like, in, the in like, the hotel. They were literally – we had, like, a whole floor to ourselves. So, oh, man. it was, like, awesome. We were just going room to room, just, like, you know, having some fun. So, that was awesome. Any uh, any lobby mini hockey tournaments going on? No, but <laughs> no. a few guys actually brought their Xbox and were playing some Fortnite. But That's sick, dude. Yeah. I dude, I I remember growing up always would have those mini hockey tournaments in the halls, dude. Just the fun yeah, I used to do that all the time. Obviously, you guys would probably cause a little more damage at this point, but uh, yeah, dude. That yeah. like I said, everyone I I got a chance to talk to like Brody and John, and then they had an absolute blast with it. And uh, I don't, it was that your first time going overseas? No, uh, we actually last year we went to Switzerland twice. We had uh four nations and then five nations, so um and then this year that was our first international in finland and then we go to uh, finland again uh later in the year you guys go you're going back to finland yeah for the worlds yeah that's unreal dude um so obviously 2024 you're draft eligible um what what kind of player and just person overall um for nhl gms whatever what kind of person and player would you say they're getting in, in Camille Bednarik? Yeah, uh, obviously I would say, you know, my my two-way game, I can play really well both sides of the ice. And I like to say I play like the NHL style of hockey. Like uh, I play very well in all situations, very versatile. Uh, wherever they need me, I can play on the penalty kill. I can play at five on five. I can play um, power play. I'm really good on the net front position but I can also play on the half wall. I'm very versatile. And obviously off the ice, I'm I'm great guy, great teammate. I'm pretty, pretty quiet, uh, but I like to, you know, keep to myself, not really bother anyone. But 
Uh, yeah, I'm really nice teammate, great guy. I would also say I'm a great leader and uh, I like to lead by example and like to say stuff like when the team is down and like say stuff at the right times pretty much. Yeah, dude, for sure. Um, I kind of want to go back because I had forgotten to ask the, the whole commitment to, to be you. So, you know, you mentioned your buddies with, with Cole Eiserman, Cole Hudson. Uh, originally, Eiserman, was, he wasn't even committed to BU. He was, you know, Minnesota. Yeah. Where, what was your reaction when you found out that he, you know, one of your teammates, one of your buddies is now going, you know, going to be going to school with you? Yeah. Um, what was your reaction when you found that out? Yeah, I was actually pretty surprised. Uh uh it was kind of unexpected but obviously it was great news he's a really great player and a good teammate so he's you know it's a obviously a great addition to uh uh our commitments that are going up there so it's i love that he committed there it's awesome can't wait for it to play with them again yeah i mean you guys you guys are line mates right now or am i yeah and you guys just just the you know the the chemistry that you two have, it's unbelievable just being able to watch you guys. And obviously I don't get to watch a lot of the games live. It's more so yeah. highlight, highlights and stuff, but it just seems like you guys know exactly where the other is going to be. Um, and you yeah. guys just have that understanding of how each other, you know, how you guys play the game. Um, the, la- the last question I have for you, although like I know for sure it's, Whatever team you know decides to to draft you, which you'll hear your name for you know. Are yeah. there any are there any teams that you teams or cities for that matter that you just you would you love the idea of of getting the chance to play for? Yeah, uh, I guess kind of basic answer, but I'll I'll love playing for love to play for the Blackhawks, come back home and like you know kind of be like a hometown hero and stuff. And obviously, like, my parents can come watch me. It's, it's, like, 20 minutes away from my house. Like, my family can come watch, so that would be really awesome. And, get you know, get to play with a guy named uh, Connor Bedard, I guess. That'd be yeah. cool, too, right? Yeah. Um, but, hey, man, you know, thank you so much for, uh, you know, taking time out of your day. I know you got have a super crazy schedule. Um, yeah, no problem. You know, keep ripping it up out there, dude. You guys are you guys are dominating. And, uh, again, we want to congratulate. Yeah, we want to congratulate you on, you know, officially signing with BU and you'll be Thank in you. my you'll be in my neck of the woods, dude. So hopefully we can uh hopefully we can link up at some time. Uh yeah, for sure. Do another interview, man. I really appreciate it. Right. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too, man. Thank you. That that was Camille Bednarik of the US National Development Program um and Boston University commit. Um you can catch uh catch that episode. It's episode 22 of Drop the Mitts Hockey Podcast, brought to you in partnership with Primetime Productions. Thanks, guys. Thank you.